You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Inside. It ain't the left side or the right side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio and Spotify, and also check out our merchandise store as well. Paul, the game started at 1 Eastern time today and ended just past 8.15 Eastern time today. The Miami Dolphins come away with a win, start off the season 1-0. So how did your day go? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll be back in anywhere from one to three hours and, and, and let you know because it's clear out here. So I must need a weather delay myself. No, honestly, it was so weird because I was interacting with fans that were at the stadium. They were sending me pictures of the absolutely clear skies that didn't even have a cloud in them. The NFL really got it wrong in this case. But you know what? At the end of the day, the Dolphins brought a win home. I got to see damn Taylor Luan get put on his ass, which I know we'll talk about. And at the end of the day, it was a good victory. And Miami really rallied through a lot. They sure did. You know, it's my whole day was like it's it's like getting up as a kid on Christmas and you pick up a gift. It's the right weight. Shake it. It's like exactly what you want. And then uh, your parents come along and just snatch it right out of your hand and say, sorry, try again. You're going to have to uh, going to have to open this tonight. But luckily, at the end of the at the end of the day, the Dolphins did come away with the victory over the Tennessee Titans. Interesting game from the outset. I mean, first drive of the game for the Titans, they go right down the field, kick a field goal. The Dolphins respond by only getting one first down. They punt it. Second drive, Titans go right down the field again, get it inside the Dolphins' five-yard line until a great stop by Minka Fitzpatrick. So the game was 3 nothing, and then I started to feel like things were starting to turn around a little bit, and then the Dolphins put back-to-back drives together, one Uh, The first one being a 98-yard touchdown drive, capped off with a Kenny Stills touchdown. And the next drive, they march 85 yards down the field. They turn it over on downs, but still, it it seemed like they were moving the football well in the first half before that first break. The Dolphins really were moving the ball well. I mean, you watch Frank Gore, you watch Kenyon Drake, they were moving the ball great. The running game looked really dominant in this one. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick on defense, he looked way better than he even advertised, which I was super excited about. I hope he never comes off the field ever, ever, ever. Uh, but, yeah, no, Tannehill looked like he had no rust on, on the tires, which was a great thing to see in this one. And really, 
that that first break was such a killer because it kept you know oh yeah this is going to be done in an hour um try again in 15 minutes now try again in another 15 minutes so you, you know it's with a minute and 11 left in the half i'm sorry there was lightning a mile from the stadium you can end the half before that lightning travels a mile most likely the second you see it you know what go ahead and give it a break but it never even got there never even got there they could have finished the half gone in at halftime figured out what the hell they were doing about the lightning during the 15 minutes and gone from there and and really this is a failure on the nfl i don't put this on, on tom garfinkel i don't put this on the miami dolphins I didn't even put it on the Tennessee Titans because, God, I'm sure they wanted to get out of there quicker. They probably would have gotten out a lot healthier. But really, it, it just was a failure by the league to identify the weather patterns. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting there watching the Browns and the Steelers game, and it's absolutely pouring the entire game. There's lightning going on around the stadium, too, and they're continuing to play. I'm sitting there like a doofus at the bar for an additional three hours, and – yeah, I mean, we could talk about that all night. But, yeah, they, they definitely got that wrong. But let's talk about the game, Paul. Let's get in there. But but even before we do, I mean, you look at the Titans. The Titans are a team that got to the second round of the playoffs last year, pulling off a opening round upset against the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is a, the Titans were favored in this game, too. Not only do they lose – but they they probably lost tight end Delaney Walker for the year, a Pro Bowl player. Uh, quarterback Adoree Jackson got hurt in this game and didn't come back. He's an electrifying player for him. And like you said, Taylor Lewan was lost in this contest due, due to a concussion, which, by the way, came at the hands of Andre Branch, was a, which was a completely legal hit. Yeah, seeing Taylor Lewan get his clock cleaned, I'm, I'm normally not a fan of injuries, and I'm not a fan of an injury here. But at the same time, you and I both know I was not a fan of Taylor Lewan leading up to the draft. There was a lot about him I didn't like. There was a lot of dirty play I didn't like. Taylor Lewan is not the cleanest of players out there. So seeing Rashad Jones get an interception, re-energizing everyone in that game, and then seeing Taylor Lewan get leveled on a perfectly clean play and get up like he wanted to fight somebody and had no idea who once he finally woke the hell up. Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't feel bad seeing Taylor Luong get put on his ass. Matter of fact, we had a nice long break where I got to watch the video of it several times. Well, yeah, you shouldn't. I mean, it was a clean hit by Branch, and Branch uh, strutted to the sideline like a boss. I mean, it was the first thing Andre Branch has done in a year and a half, but I'm glad that you know, not glad that he was hurt, but like like you said, it was a clean hit, and he he did leave the game, and he's he's been known kind of as a dirty player. So, yeah, th that definitely played a big role in this. Uh, you know, it's as the game went on, the Dolphins, their pass rush seemed to decline a little bit, but that could have been because of the weather. That could have could have been because they turned it on so much in the first half. But let's get to the position by position grades here, Paul. The quarterback spot, it's so nice that we can judge Ryan Tannehill and grade him once again. So he started off the game 12 for 14 for 95 yards with a drop and a ball that should have been caught by Kenyon Drake on, on a fourth down that turned out to be a, be a really big play and one that the Dolphins could have started to could have started running away with. Finished the game 20 for 28, 230 yards, two touchdowns, 
two interceptions, quarterback rating of 89.9. He had a beauty of a 75-yard touchdown that only Ryan Tannehill can throw on this Dolphins roster. 75-yard bomb on a play action to Kenny Stills. Then again, his two interceptions were really bad. I mean, one was really on the inside to Mike Gusecki. Didn't put enough juice under it. It was a very costly turnover. The other one, he was going for Jakeem Grant, sailed over him, and was intercepted by Kenny Vaccaro. So besides those two interceptions, though, I I grade Tannehill very well in this game. So I'm going to give him a solid B upon his first return. I'm going to give him a B plus, and, and and here's where I'm going to differ in opinion from you on the on this one. I know it's not the popular opinion. I know the Mike Gesicki interception looked ugly, but you know what? That play is one. Mike Gesicki's out, single coverage, wide left on a very much smaller defensive back in Malcolm Butler. That is a play where Tannehill's supposed to take two steps, throw to a spot. Tannehill took two steps through to a spot, Gesicki let himself get jacked up by a much smaller player to the point where the second that the player disengaged, Gesicki fell on his face. So even if he didn't fall on his face, he would have potentially had a chance to make a play on that ball. So I'm not dinging Gesicki for it too, too hard. You know, it's a rookie move. Hopefully he learns from it. I'm sure the coaching staff's going to work with him on that this week. But I'm not putting most of that interception on Tannehill. It's that one was just one of those weird freak plays. So, yeah, I mean, it's there were there was at least one other deep ball that could have ended up getting caught. There was that third down to Drake. So, yeah, it's I, I'm easily giving this guy a B plus for this one. Yeah, I've watched the play several times and. Yeah, it's it's going to be a cause for de- debate for a lot of Dolphins fans because I I don't think he put enough mustard on it regardless, but I understand what you're saying about throwing to a spot too. Running back position, Paul, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, before the, uh, I'd say the first halftime, which was, you know, the first 29 minutes of the game before the first break, Kenyon Drake and uh, Frank Gore, 11 carries for 89 yards. Looked like they couldn't be stopped. Finished the game still with 4.73 yards a carry. Frank Gore only 15 yards away now from being fourth all-time in rushing yards. You know, Kenyon Drake, I'd say in this one, his big mistake was on that fourth down where it would have been nice for him to catch the ball, get a foot down. It seemed like he almost had to try to catch the pass and jump out of bounds. And that would have kept the Dolphins drive going. And I, I don't have much doubt that the Dolphins would have gone up 14 to three in that situation. But Drake still finished the game, 14 carries, 48 yards, caught a few passes. The talent is certainly still there and good for Frank Gore busting out of the tank just like this. So look at the running back spot. I'm going to go ahead and give them a B. This is another one where you and I are pretty close on this. Uh, I'm going to give them a B plus if they had continued the way they did in the first half it probably would have been in the A range. But really, they got away from the running game as the game wore on, which was a little bit odd because they played with the lead pretty much the whole way through. Um, They were only down for a brief moment and then tied for an even briefer moment. So easily a B-plus for me here at the running back position. The receiving unit without Devontae Parker, uh, without his ability to go over the top, 
I, I wouldn't say they missed it a lot in this game, and I'm sure you can certainly agree with that. You've never been the biggest Devontae Parker fan. How would you grade the receivers and tight ends? I'd go with I'd go with a B plus here as well. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that I thought the tight ends were a little bit invisible in this game in the passing game, even though they were there in the in the run game uh, and did did a good job blocking. I love seeing Kenny get over the top. Kenny had a great game. He had that one ridiculous drop that was just looked like a lack of focus play, but he sure as hell made up for it on the very next play. So I love seeing that. I love seeing Miami take a few shots down the field with these guys. I, I loved a lot of what I saw to Grant, and Wilson really does look like an effective real deal here, uh, filling in for Jarvis Landry. And Amendola ran tough when he had the ball too. So really – it's a B plus, but a lot of that's dragged down by the tight end position not being involved, and the fact that I, I, I really think if Gasicki had managed to keep his feet and do a little bit better job against a guy that's so much drastically smaller and less athletic than he is, Miami would have put this game away a lot earlier. Yeah, and for that reason, I'm going to go with a B. Uh, you know, Kenny Stills four catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. What a steal this is turning out to be as far as the contract he signed couple of years ago, four, uh, four years, $32 million. That looks like chump change right now for what Kenny Stills is doing. One observation I want to make, too, is that Albert Wilson, in, that, in those two drives where the Dolphins went 98 yards for the touchdown and then drove 85 yards on the next drive, they were using Albert Wilson very creatively. They were, they were moving him all around the field. He actually got two carries on those two drives, too. But just moving him all around is going to be a – an option for the Dolphins this year. But my complaint on that is after those two drives, it, it didn't seem like Wilson was very involved in the playbook, definitely not in the second half. So we'll see how the Dolphins rotate these receivers throughout the rest of the year. Danny Amendola, four catches for 26 yards in his Dolphins de- debut, but not, not a huge surprise. I mean, you're going to see Amendola catch between probably four and six passes a game. Sometimes it's going to be for 25 yards. Sometimes it's going to be for – you know, 60, 70, 80 yards. But definitely the yardage wasn't there in this game. But I'm going to go with a B overall. Yeah, Gasecki I thought, had a, had a little bit of a rough game. A.J. Derby and Durham Smythe also got in the field as blocking tight ends. Offensive line, man, this is probably the thing I'm continuing to be most excited about on this roster. I mean, Dan Kilgore had a very good game in his debut, as did Josh Sitton. Laramie Tunzel and Juwan James had three penalties in the first quarter, but after that, they cleaned it up. Tannehill was sacked a total of zero times. I'm going to give the offensive line an A-. minus. Well, it's, it's Tannehill was sacked once by, by Curry. Oh, yeah, he was sacked but, once. You're right. But, I mean, it, overall, they kept him very clean today. There were some ridiculously impressive points where Ryan Tannehill had all the time in the world. And it, to the point where it, it kind of harkens back to when Donovan McNabb was with the Eagles and, and you just see him stand back there forever. And, and that was a beautiful thing to see. On top of that, outside of when it was such an obvious run situation, the Dolphins were very effective in the running game, as we talked about. So they were opening some holes. They they were playing to the whistle and really just all five of these starters did a very, very good job in this game and really won the battle in the trenches here. You bet. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, 
Robert Quinn's debut in the first half looked really like the player that we saw in preseason. Very good player. And then it's obvious when you see the bend going up against Taylor Lewan at left tackle, it's obvious that you're seeing something different with with Robert Quinn. And there is a significant drop-off when you go from Quinn to Branch or Charles Harris, but I think that has more to do with Quinn than the guys beneath him. Cameron Wake, this was a, a one that I was expecting uh, Wake to come out of the gate strong on. Not a lot of pressure from him today, but, you know, that, that tends to happen. You can't get five sacks every week. But the defensive tackle spot, I mean, this has been a huge, huge concern for both of us throughout the preseason. And I thought Jordan Phillips, Davin Gottschaw, Akeem Spence, and, you know, Vincent Taylor. It seemed like Vincent Taylor was on the field every time I looked up and doing a heck of a job. I mean, so I'm starting to get a little bit more excited about this four-man rotation than I probably was a couple weeks ago. Overall, I'm going to give the defensive line a B simply because the sack total wasn't there. They did give up a lot of yardage uh, to Deion Lewis as the game progressed, but overall I think they did their job. I'm right there with you on on the B grade. It's, as you pointed out, they didn't quite get to the quarterback other than on one read option play. And uh, they definitely did an effective job on that play, uh, knocking Mariota pretty much from the game a few plays later. But in reality, it, it was nice to see the fact that Miami seemed to keep the defensive tackles home a little bit more, which really did help with the run game throughout. And, and you know, I, I was a bit worried about the linebackers getting washed out because the defensive tackles are pushing up field so hard. So the fact that they stayed home a little bit and were an impact in all phases of the game you know, that was a big thing for me. And Cameron Wake may not have gotten to the quarterback in this one, but he did have a few stout plays against the run, and I liked the creative way they were kicking William Hayes inside. They occasionally put Robert Quinn on the inside and really were moving pieces around, which was kind of a theme on both sides of the ball in this game. So seeing them move pieces around is something you and I have been crying for for years. So seeing that really take effect in this game was huge, and it really was most evident with the defensive line. Yeah, and I like, too, how the defensive ends were active, but they weren't undisciplined. I mean, I, I thought a, a big fear that I had was, to if you look at the Titans game with Mar- against Mariota two years ago, the Titans would use the Dolphins' willingness to, to get upfield against them so much. And I don't think you saw that in this game. You, you saw more discipline there so that they, those DNs did not get washed out of the play. Paul, how would you grade the uh, linebackers? I know it's been a big source of criticism for us, not only this preseason, but last year and the year before too. They held up a lot better than I expected in this game. I mean, Kiko pulled in an interception, reading a screen fantastically. He almost had a second one as the game went on, which was crazy to me. Uh, I thought Jerome Baker was was decent. And and Rake McMillan, I thought, played better than we've seen him all preseason. So, you know, they had the one long run that wound up getting called back because it went right through where Rake was getting held and as was Jerome Baker. So I'm not going to fault them for getting washed out if they're getting held and and the officials are calling it. So, yeah, for me, I'll give these guys a B. They definitely had a little more impact on the game, and I was worried that they might not. And with that being the linchpin for me in this game, uh, I can easily give these guys a B. 
Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with a B too. I mean, Kiko Alonso in this game looked like more the 2016 Kiko Alonso where he was so hit and miss from game to game, but when he was on, he took good angles, uh, he would and he made a big play or two. And he did that in this game and and it's one that put the Dolphins immediately in Titans field goal range right after that third or fourth break. I, I can't remember which one now. <laughs> Everything else I agree with you on too. And Raekwon, I you know, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about the speed. I hope I see more Jerome Baker as we continue to go along. But overall I think he held up pretty well too. Defensive back, when you look at it here, Corey Davis had six catches for sixty two yards. Other than that, there was only the, the Titans only had one catch from a wide receiver, which really does speak to how well Bobby McCain and Xavier Howard played on the outside, especially Xavier Howard. I mean, if that one, that first interception by Rashad Jones, I mean, he absolutely blanketed the receiver across the middle. Mariota threw the ball, trying to squeeze it in there. It sailed over his head. Rashad Jones picked it off. I mean, those are the kinds of plays Xavier Howard can force when he's covering a receiver all over the field. Minka was phenomenal in the first half, as was obviously Rashad Jones with two interceptions. But what I'm confused on is how do you not play Minka Fitzpatrick? I have to look at the snap count. i got to be honest with you. But how do you not play Minka Fitzpatrick every down? You're asking the wrong guy because I'm right there with you. I mean, it's – God, he, he was single-handedly responsible for that goal line stand. Uh, you know, he, he was all over the field and unless they have him on some form of a pitch count, which needs to end and God, I wish he pulled in that interception in the closing minutes. That would have just been the icing on the cake for him. I think you're going to see him play a lot more as we move forward here. And, and, and I know you just talked about Xavier Howard and, and he did play excellent, but I kind of expect that from him at this point. You all, you already know, I've been a big Bobby McCain fan for years. But it's I was impressed with the job that he did on the outside. He he saved the touchdown as well uh, somewhere in one of the breaks there. I mean, pardon me if I got lost in the eight hours of game that we saw today. But, yeah, no, Bobby did a beautiful job on the outside for somebody that, you know, wasn't even in a lot of people's mix to be the starter. Uh on the boundary and, and yet he came in, took the job and he sure showed it was his to, to keep today. So yeah, no, it was great. I, I saw a couple of botched tackles by TJ McDonald, but overall I thought he played well, well too. Yeah. And no sign of, of uh, Cordray Tankersley. I mean, I saw Tory McTire a little bit later in the game, but I can't recall the time I saw, I saw Tankersley out on the field. I mean, and you know what? They don't really need him. I mean, you're talking about a sixth or seventh defensive back on, on your roster there. So, yeah, very good performance from the defensive backs. I'm going to go ahead and give them a B plus. How about you? For me, I'm actually going to give these guys an A. I thought they were all over the field. The fact that outside of Davis, they, they really kept the receivers limited. I thought they were very effective when they got on the tight ends, and, and they still were a huge asset in run support. God, that blitz by Rashad Jones before he blew up the play in the backfield was just a thing of absolute beauty. So bravo to the defensive backs. I mean, two interceptions, a single-handed goal line stand where Minka had to shuck a defender 
to get in and make the play. Uh, get, there are so many things that the defensive backs saved today. And with the D-line not getting to the quarterback as well as we had hoped in this one, it made it all the more impressive that they were able to stay with folks and really limit what the Titans were able to do. Well said. So last unit here, and it's not one – it's one that we consistently grade have graded high over the last couple of years – the Dolphins special teams. I mean, Darren Rizzi, I will promise you, will be irate when he looks at the film tomorrow. No, it's part of it's for good reason, too. I mean, there is no Mike Hall. There is no Michael Thomas. There is no Damien Williams. So there's a lot of turnover there on special teams. But there were four big returns by the Titans today. And you you can bet Rizzi's going to want to get that cleaned up very quickly. Jakeem Grant, though, Second touchdown against the Titans in three years and a big touchdown that put the Dolphins up 17 to 10, allowed them to answer right back after the Titans marched down the field and tied the game at 10. So kudos to Joaquin Grant for doing that again. But man, oh man, they better get these uh, the special teams coverages uh, cleaned up. I'm going to call it a wash with uh, the Joaquin Grant touchdown and the Darius Jennings touchdown. Both both kick returns. So overall, going to give them a C. I'm going to go a little different here. I mean, I, I'm with you. The coverage units were not great today. We're gonna, we're going to call it not great. But given the fact that Jakeem Grant and his return were such a huge boost in a moment that really could have turned the momentum of that game. Given the fact that, you know, you saw Matt Hawk boom a 65-yarder, given the fact that Jason Sanders, who we were very worried about in the preseason, went two for two on his field goals and made all his extra points, I can give these guys a B-plus, but Rizzi definitely needs to figure out getting that unit cleaned up because the coverage unit was not great today, and that's really what drags it down given everything else. I mean, it's Sanders did all he was asked to do. Matt Hawk drastically flipped field position, kicking out of his own end zone. And, and Jakeem Grant got the Dolphins right back in the lead, immediately shutting down momentum from the Titans side of the field. So I, I can't grade him that harshly on this one. B, B plus. I'm very surprised to hear that, given that, you know, they, they let up, what, four returns, I think over 20 yards. But yeah, they Jakeem Grant did make a huge play there. So and Jason Sanders, kudos to him coming out and and doing what he needed to do because that, that's that's all a kicker needs to do. do: make the kicks you need to make, and and he did that today. We'll see when it when the pressure gets a little bit higher as the season wears on. So Paul, who was your player of the game? I've been debating this one ever since the game ended, and. and... It could easily go to, to one of several players. I mean, you've got Kenny Stills, who really lit it up today when, when called upon. You've got Ryan Tannehill, who showed that he really does still have it. He doesn't have the rust on the tires that people were worried about. You can give it to Minka Fitzpatrick or Xavier Howard or, or even Bobby McCain because of what they did to the opposing team's receivers as well as supporting in the, in the run game. But really – how do you not give it to Rashad Jones? Two two interceptions, a huge return to put the Dolphins in the red zone, and, and you know blowing up that play in the backfield, being all over the field, being up in the box, being deep, 
everything that he did today, I mean, he really earned that Mr. Jones moniker that he's got. And, and God, he's my player of the game easily. I'll go with Kenny Stills, four catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns, and really put the exclamation point on the game that put the Dolphins up 24 to 10 with just 10 minutes left. Fantastic performance from him. He continues to justify that contract. How about your, you see, we haven't come up with a name for this yet. You know, we called it goat of the game or goat or whatever last year, but basically stupid idiot of the game. I guess we'll call it right now. I was going to go with crap player of the game, but sure. Yeah, no, I'm with you. We we definitely need to rename this segment as we talked about, but yeah, the, 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 you know, go sit in the corner player, I guess, as Omar would put it, for me in this game has to go to Mike Gusecki. There were a lot of players that could go to, or a handful really, but God, it, it's, you know, one reception for 11 yards. He's so athletic. He gets himself mismatched against much smaller, less athletic players. And single-handedly to me anyway, not to start the debate, caused that interception in the end zone by getting put on his face and looking stupid by Malcolm Butler. Easily Mike Kosecki. This might be a little bit of a cop-out because he didn't play very much and he just joined the team, but I'm going to give it to Tanner McElvoy because if you look at that kick return by Darius Jennings, you'll see Tanner McElvoy getting out of his lane, and that was a huge play in the game. I mean, after Kenny Stills catches that touchdown, the Dolphins are up 24-10, to, to 10 with just over 10 minutes left in the game. Then Jennings takes that back to the house, and all of a sudden, Titans are right back in it. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have had a had a shot there. So it'll be interesting to see if he stays on as that sixth receiver, especially on the special teams unit, if he continues to be worked with. But right now, he is going to be my sit-in-the-corner or stupid idiot of the game, whatever we decide the name in the segment. But overall, you know, it's it's hard to pick a, a poor player of the game. Dolphins win on their opening week weekend against the Tennessee Titans. Their longest victory probably in Dolphins history, just uh, just over seven hours with all the delays. Paul, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I wish we could have given it to the league for putting them on delays throughout the game for sunny weather you know it's they almost bumped them into the storm front by waiting so damn long but this game was was definitely a good game to come out get out of the way get that first win in the books on on the home opener in front of the fans kudos to the fans that all stayed for this game as well and you know it's, it's nice seeing miami in the longest game in nfl history come out of it with a win absolutely and Next week, the Dolphins are going to play the New York Jets at New York. We'll talk about the MetLife takeover here as the week progresses. But shorten week now and for the New York Jets because they're going to be playing on Monday Night Football. And the Dolphins have a chance, real chance, to come out 2-0, and which is going to make a huge difference in the season. That will do it for our wrap-up of the Dolphins-Titans matchup. The Dolphins come away with the victory here. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and on Spotify. And you can also check out our merchandise store, too. We'll have some giveaways here as we continue to go throughout the year. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fifth side. So, D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.